podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Welcome to the Celtic Exchange Weekly. This is Tino and this week I'm joined by James and Miff as we cover all things Celtic. It was a dramatic day on Saturday at Celtic Park as the team once again played the We Never Stop card to beat Dundee United 4-2 after a late scare in the game. Elsewhere, our nearest rivals dropped points in Perth, thanks in part to a wonder goal by the godfather of soul, James Brown, a result which now leaves us seven points clear at the top of the Scottish Premiership table. Miff, I'll come to you first for your moment of the week in Celtic. Hello Tino, hello James, hello guys. Uh, moment of the week for me, even though it was in defeat, um, was Jota's free kick at the Bernabeu. I just thought, watching the game, I thought it was very figurative that we got something, even a crumb out of the game. Very, and, and we'll go on to discuss that in other points, no doubt, that the team does just keep going regardless of the circumstances. I thought it was very symbolic, the fact that we did keep going, we got our goal, and I, I don't think it should be lost how... Important it is for an Iberian player to score against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. You could see it meant a lot to Jota, and I think that will do his confidence in the world a good as well. So, um, no, all in all, I, I just thought it was a great moment, and I thought I, I was, despite the the obvious result, I was really, really proud of the team. Some of the the narrative around Celtic's European campaign has been derisory, which I, which I think is an absolute disgrace. Having watched Celtic in Europe for many, many years, we we have rarely played so well um, across a, a group stage, both home and away. And I was very proud of the players and I thought that moment, that moment was just very symbolic of that. Yeah, I think that's a great shout and delighted for Joe, as you say, he's from that part of the world, Muff, and he's the kind of guy that will have dreamed about playing in the Bernabeu, let alone scoring. And it was a special moment, I think he had family in the crowd he was saying afterwards, so delighted for him, brilliant boost to his confidence. And do you know what, he's been great since he came back from injury as well. Um, James, what about yourself, what's been the highlight for you? One of the photographers captured Ralston celebrating with Kyogo on Saturday and it's just... It's the epitome of a guy who's supported Celtic his whole life playing for Celtic. It's, it's me or you or Miff or whatever kind of thing. That's how you would celebrate if you were a Celtic fan playing for Celtic. Ralston just says so much about the spirit of this team. I love it. I know the very photo and you can see the video of that as well. I don't know if it's in Celtic's unique angle video, but just the, the roar as he meets Enjoy. Kyogo. They've got a wee bit of a bromance thing going <laughs> on. seems to be, eh? Aye. Yeah. I wonder what they two talk about. <laughs> we'll get it. translator. I even think back to the League Cup final last year because um, Ralston was a sub. He'll go when he scored yes. his run over celebrating him and things like that. Um, but uh, James, to take your point, if that was me, the, the, oh. the rug would definitely have been <laughs> definitely. Yeah, quite right. So let's move on to section one. So as everyone will know, the clubs at EGM took place on Friday morning at Celtic Park. And as you can imagine, a lot of the information that comes out of such an event, quite long-winded, quite detailed and I suppose a wee bit boring in places. So we're not going to go over a, a blow-by-blow account of the meeting and instead we've picked out two of the more interesting headlines that have come out of the AGM, which we'll now look at in a bit more detail. So you lads may have seen Chris Mackay, Celtic's Chief Financial Officer, speaking and what he's outlined, and this isn't breaking news as such, but there's going to be a radical overhaul of the, the Champions League from the 2024-25 season onwards and we'll get to that in a wee bit of detail in a second. And Chris Mackay says, needless to say, this is where we need to be every season and that's what we're striving for. Quickly before we get into the details of that, uh, Champions League and what it's going to look like. I'm just going to run very briefly over the financial figures that Mackay reported on the AGM. I mentioned these last week, but it is relevant to cover it at this time. So revenues are up by 27 million, mostly down to the club being able to operate the stadium at full capacity post-COVID, as well as the club stores also been back in full operation. 
We recorded a profit of 6.1 million, which is a notable turnaround from a loss of 11.5 million the previous year. And crucially, Mackay also noted that player sales brought in a club record 29 million in the financial year, and that included sales of players like Chris Ayer, Hodgson Edward, and Ryan Christie. That model continues to be a cornerstone of how the club is run. However, equally vital is the revenue that Champions League football brings, and we'll see that reflected in the next set of accounts as we return to the top table for the first time in five years. We obviously qualified automatically as a result of winning the Scottish Premiership, and Michael Nicholson was quoted as saying that the certainty of having Champions League football, quote-unquote, allows us to build, to invest in the summer, and to work with Ange to take us forward. So, Murph, before we get into some detail on that new Champions League format, how important do you think that Champions League qualification is on an ongoing basis to allow the club to make those plans and to back the manager accordingly? Well, it's very obvious that it's massive. I think Angie's net spend's hovering around the 13, 14 million mark, something around that. Would we really regard that as significant investment over, what's that, three transfer windows, four mm-hmm. transfer three. windows, three coming up and four? I would think not, really, to be honest with you. Considering the product I, he's put in the picture. It, th- it makes what he's achieved all the more remarkable. Um, I, I, I think it's just the model that we operate is I, I think we all understand that. I think those of us emotionally intelligent enough understand that what the players we are signing are players that will develop over a three to four year period and so on. Um, and she's alluded to that, I think, as well in his comments. They say, look, I know you've all got your favourites, but at the end of the day, we need to sell, reinvest, and that, that's the model. I think Ange thrives in that because he just likes making players better, changing their mindset. Um, so that that model will be crucial and it means we'll just need to take care of business. Everybody goes on about a European run, a European run. That's what everyone wants. But we need to win the league first to get in the Champions League. So the fact that that's, that's the message for the boardroom down into the playing squad and out to us as fans, it fills me with hope that we're going to make sure that we don't do what we did previously and let go of a dominant domestic position. And I think, I think it's an appropriate thing to say on the basis that the player trading model has been mentioned you only have to look at what happened to us during the COVID season and also what is currently happening to Rangers. They haven't sold high when they had the chance to. They've kept disenfranchised players and it's now been reflecting performances in the park. I totally agree with that. James and I, James and I were speaking off air about... We, sorry, Miff, not to keep things sorry, from you. But we, your players reach a natural peak at any given club and we fail to capitalise and you can include guys like Cham, who went on a free, for example, as well as Edward and, and some others. And, and we got that wrong. But the good thing is it looks like we've learned from those mistakes. I thought it was very interesting, again, just to go over the quote from Mackay. Needless to say, this is where we need to be every season and that's what we strive for. And as you say, if that's the message coming from the top down, it's no secret, and and I know it firsthand from, from when I worked at the club, that they budget for Europa League. They don't budget for the, the big ticket. And they would... Rarely, if ever, speculate to accumulate. They would never say, do you know what, we're going to pay the extra bucks to get this striker that might get us into this Champions League. They would wait to see where we land. This is why Mir Beaton played at centre-half so often, for example. They wouldn't go and spend the money on the, the big player. They'd say, we'll see if we can scramble our way in there with what we've got. Now what we've got is when you win that league title, Miff, certainly at this moment in time, guaranteed. So it means from the, the moment the whistle blows and the, the last day of the season, or earlier if you've wrapped it up soon enough, you know exactly what you can spend. So you can go out there with the confidence that Champions League will bring in X, we can spend Y. And it just must make such a difference to the, the planning going on behind the scenes. Definitely. I mean, if, if you're going to sum up in a word what's what's changed with a new CEO and, and Pierre Law stepping down, it's ambition. 
And I'm not saying Lowell didn't want Celtic to, to prosper and win. Of course he did, but he had too much of an emphasis on the safety net. As an accountant, you know, that's his, his natural position. You guys would come in and just said, look, well, yeah, of course we've got to be careful and sensible and wiser in budgets, but internally, let's have the ambition to go for us. I mean, how many Champions League did we not qualify for? The we counted up last week, actually, it was something like in the region of 150 million dead money that we could have had if you'd signed somebody not of near, near Pete on playing at centre-half. So I think there has been a, a shift change at Celtic in terms of how they go about their business and how the you know the culture's changing to be not just scraping by, but really, you know, let's strive for excellence in everything we do. Yeah, and Ange talks about wanting to be a Champions League club and by that he means qualifying every single year, not in one year out the next, back in five years' time, we'll see you then. Every single year. How How is the entry looking from next year onwards then? If the format's changing, is, is that still to be decided as to who, how many exactly, that's teams go straight in and things yeah, like that? And it's quite complex. I, I tell you what I'll do, there's a, a really good explainer video, I think it's by the Athletics podcast, TIFO I think it's called, and it explains this new format, which I'll get to in just a second, Muff, but yeah, it's not quite been finalised as to how and who qualify. There will be 36 teams rather than 32 but I'll get to that in a second. I Thanks just want to ask, as well as what we've spoken about there in terms of planning and the, the financials, of course, there's the the obvious fact, Matt, that being in the Champions League, A, allows you to attract better players. Every player on the planet wants to be there at some point, And B, it allows you to further develop the players that you already have. Absolutely. But would, would you ought to be a Celtic player if we weren't in the Champions League? I, I think not. I think he would have probably hedged his bets and went elsewhere. He, gam- he gambled on it that we would get there. Aye. So it's, listen, we need it to attract players. It, it's a bit of a vicious circle, really, and we know that for the time that we spent in the relative wilderness. Scraping to get by was exactly what we were doing. Um, the lack of investment in the squad under Dyla, I mean, fairly criminal how uh, he was he was handed players like, guys like, no offence to him, Skepovic, Wicasso, you, you know, guy, guys that were just brought in, chopped in in the, in, the hope, in the hope that they would, they would turn out. To be honest, I mean, individually, the guy's done okay. You know, you wouldn't say they were absolutely the worst players to play for Celtic, but in terms of progress, in terms of that trading model, that was all out the window. You were actually just doing enough to get bodies into win the league and move on and, and hope that you qualify for the Champions League. What we have now is that strategy, strategy sorry, to achieve just that. Um, it's refreshing to hear that that's coming for the top down. And I think the most important thing out of all this is we have a manager that's this, this is his thing. He wants that crack at the Champions League. Um, you only hear news coming from England that uh, Ralph Hasenhutl's been uh, sacked and you didn't worry. Well, you know, and, and I think would figure quite highly on people's radar. But I think in, in terms of the Champions League, the Champions League's a carrot for him. I think he feels he's got unfinished business. So therefore, I, I, I think it's safe enough, I'm saying touch wood here, to go all in on Ange and back him fully because I think he will be here until he feels he has had something close to what he regards as success at that level. Yeah, That's the second week in a row you've read the spectre of Angela Evans-Smith. What's going on? I do, that, that, that's, that's what I do. I sabotage my relationship. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't argue with that. Uh, I threw me, James. I was just going to say that when watching some of the AGM stuff, Ange speaks about this very genuine alignment he's got with Michael Nicholson and Chris McKay. And that's just so important. And that's not something that has always been the case. Far from it. It's Celtic, you know, even Martin O'Neill, great success, frosted relationship with the board at times. Yeah. We know all about Brendan Rodgers. I don't think Ronnie Dyla was treated particularly well, for example. Now you've got people singing for the same hymn sheet and, and moving forward in the right direction. And it's, it's a breath of fresh air. Yeah, and I, I don't know where, you know, Michael Nicholson's training 
as a CEO has come from or his influences as a CEO come from because they're not law. He doesn't behave like law behaved. There was very much the board was the parent and the manager was the child. It's just not like that anymore. We're a cohesive team working together to great effect. Yeah. Um, in terms of that new Champions League format, so as I say, I'll share the video which explains it far better than I'm about to, but it, it's based on what is called the Swiss model. Popular in chess by all accounts, James. Played much chess recently? Not in a couple of years. Not in a couple of years. Um, so the revamp has been led by Juventus chief Andrea Agnelli, who's the chairman of the European Club Association. Should be noted, Miff, that Celtic's Peter Lowell is also a board member of the aforementioned European Club Association. Handy guy to have around, some would say. Aye, aye. He seems to be everywhere, that guy. Yeah. Um, side note, obviously, he wasn't confirmed as the chairman, which we all suspected. It's still going to happen, It's by absolutely the way. going to happen. That was just a PR thing. And Quite actually, right time to, to do it. it'd have been madness to do it in a room full of Celtic fans who are being full So if you were doing it, then it'd have been a horrific call. It's happening. Uh-huh. So I'll, I'll eat my... I'll eat my hat if it's, if it's not a go. Um, anyway, going back to that format. So this uh, Swiss model will see one big league of 36 teams rather than the existing 32 teams playing across eight groups of four. So it takes a bit to get your head around that as a first point. What will what'll happen is it will see us playing four home games and four away games against eight completely different sides. So James gave the, the example, you could have Molde at home and then Bayern Munich away, for example, and Tough. see how that all goes. But on that basis, there's more games, there's more money, there's more sponsorship opportunities. And as much as the revenues have still to be confirmed, the, the financials will skyrocket and we need to be there, James. Yeah, you said we're, we're taking in, what, two million a game now for a Champions League game? If you get a win, you get 2.4 million just for the points alone. But in terms of gate receipts and commerciality, yeah. something close to so two million, I believe. Just very simply, we're currently getting six for that and that goes to eight. So that's just, you know, for a start, you know, that's, that's a big thing. Um, and as... Mackay says, you know, we, we need to be there. It's an interesting word, need. You know, you wouldn't hear that from Celtic before. It'd be like, you know, be nice to be there, need to be there. I yeah. like that. Yeah, so Dan, it's, it's far more definite than, than tackling it, if really, you like. Yeah. Um, just to explain a wee bit more on that format, actually. So of the, of the 36 teams, the top eight automatically go through to the next stage. I'll take it slow, yeah, if I can see your cogs whirring. Eight go through, and then the 16 next best teams go into a playoff. And the eight winners then go and join the original eight. So lots going on. But ultimately, as I say, it means more football and, and far more room for those revenues. Miff, if we want to try and somehow bridge the gap between ourselves and the, the biggest club, this is the obvious route to doing so, isn't it? It's the only route. Um, even it, because of the financial fair play rules, you can't really get a wealthy benefactor coming in and plowing all their money in like, like has previously happened um, in other leagues. It's, it's the only route for us to grow organically with the money that we can access through Champions League revenue. We we currently are in a strong position. I, I mean that not just only in terms of the league table, but we we feel settled. There's a squad of players there that clearly get it. Uh, there's a what, a spirit between the, the players and the fans. And the, the word that James used, I mean, he's, he's a thesaurus, this lad, he's just brilliant with his words, but cohesive, is, is, is that, that's it. Every part of the club is working well. It's really now just down to us capitalising on that. And, and I think all the messages are, are sounding good. The proof will be, um, maybe less so January, post-World Cup, I, I think the January window will be a bit odd because I think there's there's been... So much demanded of the players. Um, it's a really brutal, brutal schedule. I mean, the, the whole World Cup thing's a shambles, in my opinion. But in any case, um, I 
think the, the summer window is just going to be so vital and that is going to tell us everything we need to know in terms of the cal- what what tier what level of player are we going to bring in is it going to be another you know 3-4 million Starfield Abelgard type player fine or are we going 5-6 million players that are already maybe slightly more established at, at that level I'll wait to find out but I'm, I'm I'm excited by the prospect that I think we might actually roll the dice for once yeah it's a nice link Miff I know you've uh, not done it liberally but it takes us into Angie's chat from the AGM so moving on from Chris McKay and Michael Nicholson and what we're, they've covered we're so cohesive that's why that's correct so for me and for everybody go on Miff I've just got a very quick point to make my uh, Ange jumper made its debut at the game in Saturday very nice you know I like my merch same size as Ange uh, maybe not quite but I was certainly Stop getting it the old Barrel chest. Aye, aye, chest That's nice. You can uh, send a picture for the, the listeners. I'm aye, sure they'll be delighted. I, I will get one up. Um, anyway, so definitely the most interesting part of the AGM for most folk and, and in general is when Angie gets to speak. And as usual, what I had to say was very worth listening to. So in particular, he was speaking about our transfer policy and what's now required if we're to compete at this top European level. He said... We need to be much more active in the transfer market. This will be uncomfortable for some. I know fans like to have their heroes, but to achieve at this level, we'll need to be much more active. Miff, is Ange basically buttoning you up for letting Greg Taylor go? Well, I think um, Greg Taylor's actually one of the players that's established themselves as a Champions League player. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, the, it's a reinforcement of the fact that the model is the model. And, you know, a lot of fans treated the spectre of Edward Dyer and Christie going is, is you know, absolutely disastrous when in fact it's actually been the, the prelude to major success and, and the reason for that is because funds were invested back in the team and it created space in the squad for players who were hungry to come and prove themselves playing for Celtic those guys had done that but then tailed off um, so I, I think I think it's just another you know it's a consistent message for all parts of the club mm-hmm. manager, board that this is a model we're going to reinvest in the squad, but that inevitably means we need to move players on. Uh, you, you even look at the players we managed to get out the door, albeit on loan. If they go out permanently, that'll be some money to come back in. You know, guy, guys like Barkas and Ajet are the, the obvious ones that spring yeah. to mind. Yeah. We've got Julian out the door. Um, I'd imagine next in the hit list would probably be James McCarthy. You know, guys like that will be on decent door. And then you just recycle everything back in. Uh, I think everybody's of the same opinion that Juranovic's head's been turned, you know, he would be the, probably the most likely one I'd think would, would leave, if not in January, in the, in, in the summer, so there will just be that evolution of the squad Yeah, I think you'll be looking at so rather than a three to four year model it's a one to four year model, if somebody comes in, really hit, hits the ground running builds up great stats they are the, the, the type of player that we get the interest and we getting big offers for, um, I think it will be we're saying this on the way in, Juranovic balls will be looking at O'Reilly and Abada because there will be offers for them and we're going, well, this is the model. We're going to take that money. We need to start picking Miff up because he's missing all this chat. You know, I know. I, I can I, tell I he's unfair. He, he looks a bit hurt there I, at missing out. But I, I mean, I was going to ask Miff just, you know, just on the note in, in the terms of the model, it means that we could very soon, you know, be, be saying to the, the heroes of last year. And, and that could be guys like Matt O'Reilly, albeit he came in late, Juranovic, even Kyogos and even Jotas. How do you feel about that? Well, I, I, listen, there, there's nobody bigger than the club. Every, every hero moves on at some point and then is replaced by another hero. That's just the, the nature of the way football works. A guy like Jota, I think he's still got a mo- bit more development to do. I think the, the platform he has at Celtics, Jota's a wee bit different to the others, I think. Um, I would also say Kyogo, for the point of view, Kyogo's a bit older. 
But you might take his boot because of that. I, you know, I, I don't know if I don't know if he would necessarily because he's a wee bit older. Be you mentioned about the stats. I don't know if he'd necessarily be that player that would would, would spring up on, on the radar. Whereas mm. a bad and a really definitely they stand out like a sore thumb just yeah. because Champions League exposure, effective, good numbers, good stats, all, all that type of thing. So, but it, as I say, it, it's the model. I mean, a really is someone who has shown something I didn't think he had in terms of versatility across the midfield which only goes to further strengthen that fact that he could potentially play. I still think he probably needs to get a wee bit more streetwise when he's playing the open position he's a bit too easy to go past at times when he could be a bit stronger but I'm, I'm, being, I'm being particularly harsh there I mean you saw when the team really really needed somebody in, in Saturday for a, for a guy so young to be the one to kind of puff out his chest and be the, be the guy that made the difference is, is really really commendable mm-hmm. um, I, I, I really like him as a player but I would also say that I still think he's got a bit of growing to do. I know Paddy, Paddy seems to think that he's maybe even he's maybe even reached his peak. Paddy's not too confident on him. Kicking no. on maybe another level. I do th- I do think he's got another level in him. Um I also think what you get is teams down south will pay for potential, so you don't even need to be the finished article. They'll turn around and you know, you look at guys like is it Calvin Ramsey from Aberdeen to Liverpool? Uh, who's your man for Rangers to Everton? Nathan Patterson. Patterson. These guys have they they've done very little in the game, but they've Going for big bucks. Just, just a final point on, on O'Reilly. O'Reilly actually used Celtic just as much as Celtic used O'Reilly because O'Reilly had a chance to go to... Where was he? Was that MK Dons? Fulham were going to take him back. Fulham were going to take him back. It was Fulham were going to take him back and he said, no, I'll learn more at MK Dons. Then when the Celtic, come up, Celtic offer come up, he's like, no, that's that's definitely a place I need to be. Yeah. So I think as much as O'Reilly will be in demand, I think he'll go when he feels he's ready to go, when he feels his development's up, rather than it be one where the board are going to dictate to him, right, you're off, mate. And I think this is what it'll be. You know, O'Reilly is good for Celtic. Celtic is good for O'Reilly. We'll do it for a year. We may do it for two, maybe even three. And then we'll all move on and, and we cash in and he's a better player for it and he can move to whatever, you know, whoever takes him on board. I mean, Ange James, he spoke about other successful Champions League clubs being using these words, very aggressive with their player trading. Mm. I think that's very encouraging, the fact yeah. that we're not going to tiptoe around it. And, you know, you because know, how often have we seen Celtic sign the two million project signing, the one and a half million? Amido Baldi came up on my Twitter feed the other day and I thought, what are you doing here for a start? But he was he was trying to get on board the, I'm an ex-Celt guy, so what you think of the result and stuff. He's playing that, that game at the moment. But guys like him, who were never going to make it, Mo Bangura, if you know, your, your, your favourite, various guys like that, Wakas with that, that name hasn't I, come to my head for a long time. The, MD that seen Bangura play, just, we scouted him and paid money for him. Yeah. Tony Von Loan, all these guys, Joanne Gaberget, who's <laughs> not happening. I was like, who's Tony Von Loan? I don't even remember him. That's what I was thinking. Tony Von Loan, Tony Von Loan. Tony Von Loan. Space <laughs> on loan. Anyway, all these characters that were never going to work out. Um, Ange also spoke about, so we've all seen Mudrik at Shakhtar doing very well against us and, and having a good Champions League so far. He was an example that Ange gave of a player who's got big Champions League experience despite being so young due to the club he's at. So obviously he's off the the charts in terms of what he'll go for and Ange accepts we won't get him specifically. But players of that nature who are playing for, I don't know, a Bruges or somebody, clubs where there's guys coming through who've all of a sudden got one or two Champions League campaigns under their belt, but they're still only 20, 21, 22. And I just think it's really encouraging that he's speaking like this, James. And I think it was Michael Nicholson, Nicholson speaking, I'll need to double check, but he also said that they're looking to fully support Ange over the next two to three years. And it sounds like there's a long-term, or at least a medium to long-term vision there. And Ange doesn't sound like a man who's going anywhere, despite myth, trying to get <laughs> him out. Um, I think that's, that's the change we're going to see. And it's, 
it's influenced by and just as much as anyone else and it's well received by Michael Nicholson even if you are looking at it from an accountancy point of view if you ran a spreadsheet with all those names Tony Von Loan and the rest of them kind of thing right? <laughs> Tony Von Loan. all those names for two million here and one and a half and you know, oh, know. knock their wages on beside that oh. total that up versus just going signing a Mudrick at 18 you know, for 10 million or something stupid mm. like that. I think we can 18 see... 18 years of age for 10 million. Yep. I wouldn't have been really well scouted to see this guy's got it. Bit of development, but we can sign him for 10, sell him for 40, 50. But I mean, Mudrick's going to go in the summer for 60 plus, I would say, you know. Absolutely. You know? What a player. So even just, you know, financially, the, the penny pinching way we've, we've been doing it in, for 120 years hasn't worked, you know, financially. And it's not even speculating because you're putting the data behind it and you're saying these are the guys we need to sign... And here's the plan for them. Year one, he's a year two guy. He'll probably go in three years. That kind of thing. You know exactly what you're doing. Yeah, 135 years, James, as of yesterday. Happy birthday, Celtic. I'm Delighted. Trying, I'm trying to give him credit for 15 years of good stuff. Yeah. Through that time. Well, I mainly made some great signings those uh, first 15 years. Sixpence and half a crown for <laughs> whoever. Um, sorry, I'm just to uh, interrupt you. Uh, I'm not sorry. You were saying about all these various guys. The other side of buying the one and a half and two million pound players is you're also not selling them for three, no. four and five. Dead money. I'm thinking of guys like Scott Allen. These guys all just drift out the club on a free. All the names are just popping into my head, but it's the guys that we all know of. Particularly under Ronnie Dyla. Extremely unfair, the guys he got. Well, also Brendan know. Rodgers to a huge extent yeah. as well. But every manager at Celtic up until now has had all these very, very average players, underperforming players bestowed upon them. And I'm just so glad we're so far removed from that now. Well, I appear so. Um, yeah, they have to say some, some of the players have come in the summer, haven't they? Necessarily, say that well. Not yet, not yet. Particularly, Abelgard. That's that's been. how Ange plays it, though. Mm, you're yeah, you're not yeah, signed well. to start. You're, you're not meant to come for the airport and play Tinkers. No. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I think Jens is Jens is getting there. I, I I think it's just a simple fact that Jens looks better when Carter Vickers was playing. No doubt, no doubt about just it. As simple no. as that. But the thing I was going to say to you know, before you very rudely cut me off was Happy Birthday, Greg Taylor. Indeed, I so obviously. You, you were involved in any of the, the pre or post match over the weekend, otherwise occupied, and that's all right. You've got a life outside the Celtic Exchange, I do, I do. but yeah, I mean, I'm sure you'll have been full of praise. Did you send him a message online? Slide it in no, no, I've not, I've not, I've not got quite to that stage. <laughs> not yet. Yeah, it cool. I think I'm a big enough public fanboy without me needing to kind of personally <laughs> message him. Confirm it. Um, I had my, my first day, I felt a bit like a banana man. It's somebody actually fun out, I knew somebody professionally. You know him, oh, I think, aye, I, think Stevie, yeah. I, know, I know somebody Correct. professionally who clicked that I was miffed because he only, you know, only knew me as my roommate. He was at the game on Saturday. Aye, yeah. and he was like, I, th- I thought that was you. He <laughs> 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 just sitting looking at me, he's like, all right, aye, aye. Was it from your voice he recognised you? Eh, I don't know, I, I just... By everything? Aye, it, it was actually me that said to him, I was like, do you, you know, know me? You know, no, you know guys that, that I know. Right. And I said, but anyway, I've derailed this whole thing. I was going to say, the, the listeners are loving us. Aye, aye. Aye, great chat. Aye. Hi, guys. Anyway, um, but moving on, yeah, you know, very encouraging signs generally from the AGM. For the most part, you want your AGM to pass without drama. And as I say, not appointing Lobel is probably a good way to do that, to be honest with you. But positive words from the likes of Michael Nicholson, Chris Mackay, definitely from Ange. And actually, we don't have time to cover it just now, but Tony Hamilton was speaking about some of the brilliant stuff the charity are doing just now. You'll have seen recently they've given 400,000 to people most in need at the moment suffering with the you know the gas and fuel crisis and all that type of stuff 
and all their programmes are back up and running now, having been paused during COVID. So some brilliant stuff there. I'm, I'm sure you can check that out at the Celtic Foundation as well. Um, before we move on to this week's Mystery Celt, just a quick reminder that you can now enjoy full match day content from us with our in-depth pre- and post-match shows for every Celtic game over at the Celtic Exchange Plus. For more information on that and to get started, just visit the CelticExchange.supercast.com. Subscribers to the Celtic Exchange Plus also enjoy early access to this weekly show before it's released to the general public each week, along with a number of other benefits. So check all that out at the CelticExchange.supercast.com and keep yourself up to date with all things Celtic. Mystery Celt, lads. I've got an issue. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, <laughs> Now's the time you're, it? you're claiming mm-hmm. we were all stumped last week. I got yeah, it. You got it. Not in the. It's got to be done in the section. You kind of come up at the end of the show after no, having no, twenty no, minutes got, to think I, about it. I moused it to them Aye. while you were still talking. He did. I'll need to roll back the tapes. You will, no, you will roll back the tapes, and you will confirm <laughs> that I got that. Yeah, absolutely. Did. Well, I've not seen that, but uh, right, okay. Well, it's that. There's an appeal in on that one at the moment. Then get Varen. I was. I, I, I wasn't happy. Aye. I I, as, I, as an interesting side note, uh-huh. Mrs. Smith had a night out on Saturday night and met. Joe Miller. Joe Miller. There you go. There so, for those who missed last week's one, it was a cracker. Clues are very good. Um, but the mystery Celt was centenary team hero Joe Miller. Great guy and, you know, genuine Celtic hero. So, delighted to cover guys like that. So, the score at the moment then, based on the appeal, is a bit sketchy. But let's just say you fail that appeal because I'm going to get the final call on it. It's one each across the board. You three have all got two, one. I'm not giving them Joe Miller. <sighs> the appeal's just been heard in my own head and I've, I've ruled against it. Are you ready for this week's mystery cell? I don't know if we should play him. I think we should uh, vote our feet here. No, 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 no. We're in, we're in. <laughs> Clue number in. one. Clue number one. I played in the game where George Cadetti made his Celtic debut. Palladono. Do, do you know the game, first of all? Aberdeen. Stuart Gray. Okay. Um, the game was Aberdeen, Scottish Premier League, 1st of April 1996. At one point, I was part of the coaching team at Celtic. Darren Jackson. Mind I need to do this poker face thing when you have your guesses. Uh, so I don't you give it away. Give away the game. You may already have got it, but you may have no. Right, okay. Clue number three. I've won four Scottish Cups with Celtic. Mm. Not happy about that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the scores may have changed, but I'll, I'll not reveal. Anyway, as always, we'll beep out the correct answer there, but some decent guesses by the guys. If you think you know the answer, tweet it to us at Exchange using the hashtag MysteryCelt. Each week, we cover a question that's been sent to us by one of our listeners, and this week we're going with one from Robert McKeown. Robert also subscribes to the Celtic Exchange Plus, so thanks to Robert for his support and for sending this one in. So the question is, quite simply, what would be the minimum that we could call success or progress this season is it matching last season's double or is it something more? Treble. You know, I, I think what you'd have to say is the progress we've made in Europe, despite what media commentators will say, has been vast compared to last year's. A vast improvement on where we were this time last year. So we're already, you know, I, I consider that a success of sorts because it's development in the team, in the squad, in the whole structure of the football operation. So I'm happy enough with that as, as a, a starting point of success. But now we've got the time in our hands to go after league in the two cups. Yeah, it's maybe not quite as simple as silverware and points and different things. But just a reminder, not that you don't already know, but last year Celtic picked up the league, picked up the League Cup, got to the Scottish Cup semi-finals, bit frustrating. Uh, it, was, it was a shame they just stopped the tournament at that point. I just paused it. Well, um, th- th- that's a big thing though. The, the danger man's away down south, Bobby Madden. Um, We played in the Europa League group stages and then fell into the Conference League and obviously knocked out by Bodo Glimt. In terms of the league, we won the league with 93 points. We won 29 games, drew six, lost three, all in the first six games of the season. 
Uh, final goals tally was 92-4 and 22 against. And at this moment, after 13 games, we've already scored 46 and conceded just 11. So where you am after you, do you think a, a treble is achievable? Should it be all guns blazing to get that? Where are you at? James is, is horny for the old trebles. He loves it. <laughs> he loves a treble. I do. Loves a treble. Um, for me, I, I just think uh, based on, on what was discussed at the AGM, winning the league is a must. Winning the league is a success for me. By the same token, you also want to deprive your rivals of any silverware. You know, and by winning the treble, you do that. But I, I'll, I'll be happy with the league. And any, any cup competition is a bonus for me. Get the league done. Get that entry to the Champions League sorted because that that's the lifeblood of the club moving forward. The the cup trophies are effectively just just for show. I think we've made a road for our own back with that quadruple treble because it's almost became well, that's a yardstick really. I'm not I'm not overly bothered about that. I'm I'm happy to drop one of the cup competitions each, each season for the sake of concentrating on that that European running um, and and making sure that we're at the top table every single year. Yeah, well, was it a, an in depth? discussion last week about off the park stuff so we covered on the park and silverware and trophies and what that would mean in terms of success but progress is it's definitely more than just an on park thing James it's more than just what you know Ange and the players are doing day to day and and in match days we obviously covered some of the developments we're making in terms of sports science scouting recruitment amongst other things and they're all so so important and feed into the bigger picture absolutely you know and and in a couple of years' time, we'll be able to add youth development into that. I don't think it'll really happen. Maybe, you know, like we might get Rocky, Rocky Vata coming through and stuff, but um, we'll not really see that for two years. But in two years' time, we'll be able to, you know, at the start of the season, we'll be saying, I want to see at least two academy players, you know, getting a, a regular starting place and put themselves on the team. So it's, it's not just about trophies. You know, for, the club is looking at things in a really holistic manner, and that's, that's the way we've got to start thinking as, as fans as well. So... It's only holistic, my first. Sorry, so it's a wee box. I don't think I don't think holistic's been on the podcast before. That's what I'm saying. I like I like new words. I like new words. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Um, so they are, and we've got to start thinking that way as fans. It's not just about you know points and trophies. It's it's about that wider thing. I think in the league, am I right in saying we are eight or nine points better off now than we were last year? I think we're ten points better. Ten off, points. I read. Yeah. So that in its in itself is is shown the team is improving on the park. The rest will come. Yeah. Matt, obviously we, we covered those various areas last week, sports science, scouting recruitment, you know, and, and the various individuals involved in those areas. One thing we didn't get to, we didn't have enough time for, was the academy, but you did touch on on how important that's going to be moving forward. And there's progress at Celtic, which we can see, you know, it's, it's the trophies that we spoke about, but there's so many things going on behind the scenes that we're now hearing news upon, whether it's officially through the club or otherwise, that... Are, you know, they're very, very encouraging to hear about. And Ange was even speaking about the academy at the the AGM and he was talking about the fact that Darren O'Day and Steve McManus as he calls him Steve, Steve. <laughs> uh, so Darren and Steve are taking care of, of what's going on there and the fact that Steve McManus has experience of the first team with Ange he said it was the perfect appointment for the B team because he knows exactly how he wants to operate he says there's so many guys involved in the academy between Chris McCart and the various other coaches but Darren O'Day and Steve McManus are his go-tos because they're the guys that know what he wants and they report back to him to tell him if guys are ready, not ready, somewhere in between. Rocky Vat is a great shout, James, and I think, you know, he's a potential. But I think as soon, you know, as this starts to bed in, we're going to see more and more and and what I would like to think, Miff, will be a genuine conveyor belt of talent from the youth setup. Well, we mentioned it all earlier on there when we were <coughs> discussing the AGM. We mentioned all parts being 
you know, performing well and being cohesive, the one part that you would maybe have in the close to underperforming be category better, yeah. would be would be the youth set up from the point of view of so many have came flirted around the first team squad, not really cemented themselves. On that note, Adam Montgomery, very, yeah, very good for well. St Johnson. Yeah. You know, yeah. He looks like he's he's really benefiting for a bit of game time, um, by all accounts. William Scales is as well on on his loan. But is is that then the model? Do we get these players out into the SPL a, a bit quicker to get them get them exposure rather than being in the B team? Is it better for them to be in the B team if the B team's a replica of the first team and they're going to play in the same way with the same shape and the same style? I just think there has to be that that unity mm-hmm. as you come up through through the age groups because I think too often I'm going to use Tino's excellent analogy. We used to get stuck into Ross County, but there's no point in having Lennox Town and all the you know bells and whistles all singing all dancing for players to go on and then be playing Championship League One or, or lower level SPL football. It's so that they're coming in to play regularly at Celtic Park. That's you know that's what the kids are dreaming about when they're getting in there. Mm-hmm. So th- there is definitely just a, a, a room for improvement within that. Mm-hmm. But if those things are being addressed, that's all we can ask for. And just get his eye on it, like he has many things. That is the one thing that will take time, though. We can't just expect, ah, long term. you know, next yeah. season that to completely flip. Um, what will be interesting to see is there will there therefore be a change in the type of player that we look to target in the youth setup. Um, but I'll, I'll wait to see how that, that progresses. But I think, I just think this is just a very exciting time to be a Celtic fan. I completely agree. The other big, big benefit and knock-on benefit of the Champions League qualification is that your B team, your youth set up playing the UEFA Youth League and that's exposure for these guys against some of the top players. If you're playing with Real Madrid, Madrid's youth team Madrid? Madrid. <laughs> I was trying to do the accent there. Si, senor. If you're playing with Madrid's youth team, you're going to be a talent and it must be, listen, I think they had a, a tough defeat. I think they could beat 4-1 in the last game there. But to come up against these players and these different systems between whatever Madrid offer Shakhtar's youth set up in uh, Leipzig's it's great experience for these guys it's six games they wouldn't otherwise get so yeah it's a balance my isn't it it's, you could send a, a kid out on loan to St Johnson or whoever Dunfermline Wraith Rovers whatever and they'll get experience of playing at you know adult football and some tough competitors and guys leaving the elbow in and you know the physicality of the game and, and all that stuff which is good that, that's part of your development but there's also a serious opportunity when you come up against some of these best young kids in Europe It'll be horses for courses. I think the moving out on loan will become less and less, but there still might be a reason for players to go out on loan, youth players to go out on loan. But probably it's a wee bit of a last chance saloon. You know, whatever we've done internally, you know, play, playing in Europe and you know, playing in the, the academy uh, league setup hasn't quite worked out. And this is your kind of last chance to make it. So we're going out on loan. And if you come back strong, then let's have a go at it kind of thing. I think the preferred route is definitely going to be all the way through academy from you know tearly ages right to sold to Arsenal that's that's the plan rather than us spending 10 million on a 18 year old Mudrick we bring him through ourselves and cost us not, not nothing but there's no signing fee you know yeah I mean Kieran Tierney is the perfect route um, James Forrest another great example but you know current captain Callum McGregor took the slightly different route he was with the academy all his all his youth and then went down to Notts County I think it was for a year there which done him the world of good yeah. scored a lot of goals down there he was in a far more attacking role at the time I think he scored about 15 goals played with Jack Grealish that's, that's right, right. Yeah. so he was part of a, a set up there which was at a just a different level you know a different competition and I think he benefited from I suppose you call it a hybrid model he had the best of the youth best of playing I don't know what that maybe League 1 that'll have been at the time Miff uh, League 1 or League 2 something like that and he came back a, a far better player for it so be very interesting to see what happens and, and again you know just to get back somewhere towards Robert's original question 
progress can mean so many things at Celtic, as I say. There's there's everything we see. There's many many other things we don't see. And to my point, listen, this isn't happy clapping or whatever, but there's just lots of good things going on just now. Lots of positive things and it's, you know, reasons to be cheerful. Um, as I say, though, just to bring it back to the question, what would be your definitive answer or what do you think we'll get this season? And just in terms of the on-field stuff, what do you think we'll land with? I, th- I think we'll get at least a double. Scottish I th- Cup? I prefer the Scottish, but we're, we're deep into the, the League Cup, so. Um, oh, listen, the, tre- the treble's on. No, absolutely, the treble's on, but the, what, just get the League Done and dusted. I, th- I think for us to be in such a powerful position before the the break, you know, fingers crossed we do the business. In the re- two games remain two games. Two, go, yeah. two games. Um, you know, I, I think what we have done is is cranked up the pressure, wh- which in itself brings pressure when you're when you're falling on. You know, it's difficult playing Champions League in, in both Scottish clubs this year. Have, have you know fairly tough time in terms of results. Getting yourself then lifted to go and play again at the weekend mentally was really really tough. We have, we have came through that that period, uh, so I think that the pressure that we've put on, we, we we should, I think it'll be fairly disastrous if we don't win the league for the, for this point. I would say, um, if anything, I'd prefer there was no break coming up and Aye, we just always. just kept on yeah. on trucking. Um, but you know, I think I think the break will still work in our favour actually. Um, but I, I I I think a double would be. More than acceptable for me. Just we just need to get the league one. Simple as that. But I think I think I, a league and cup double of some description. Fair enough, James. The the break isn't ideal. Far from it. It's obviously very unique to have a World Cup at this time of year. And a lot will come down to if we manage to hit the ground running on our return. We know that Ange plans ahead. Nothing will happen by chance. He won't just toss a coin when it comes to the the games restarting. I think. December-ish Just before Christmas I think He'll know right now What he's planning to do And who he's planning to introduce You you lean towards it earlier on We're going to see the best of Abelgard Haksibanovic One or two others Maybe Moy and Jens Post-Christmas When they've Got far more up to speed With Angie's system Um, But Based on the fact that I think we will hit the ground running On our return Are you confident of the treble? Do you think? Trebles are hard You know Um, And I think You know That Quadruple treble really did spoil us, you know, because it was like, oh, we, we just get trebles all the time. Every one of those trebles was hard to to achieve, um, so it certainly can't be, you know, taken as a given. But you know, Andrew's in uh, the media today saying we'll be seeing Haksibanovic properly after Christmas, and I like what I see already. Mm-hmm. So imagine what he's going to be like in the second half of the season. Like you say, Abogar coming in, there'll be signings in January. We're going to have a really strong competitive squad, all saying I should be starting. So I think that goes in our favour as well. The rotation is helping with, you know, less injuries than last year. So the squad should be strong. I mean, we're only missing McGregor on Saturday, is that right? Yeah, St- uh, Starfield's now back, so McGregor's yeah. the only guy injured. So I think with all that combined, we should certainly be in a good place to challenge the treble. Not to say it's a given you get it, but that, that would be my ambition for it. I think we will get it. Yeah. Paddy's not here this evening, but he... He's also got his finish in the league 20 points ahead of our nearest rivals. I think, I think he said that last year, you know, for this year. He called it early. He called it before a ball was kicked. And seven points at the moment, looking strong. So you never know how that's going to play out. But no, very encouraging things across the board. So hopefully that, that answers the question, Robert, in terms of what would be deemed success or at least progress for this season. Each week, as part of the new format here in the weekly show, one of the team will pick out something of interest that they've either watched, read or listened to that week in the world of Celtic media that they then recommend to our listeners. This week, James has something for us. So, James, what have you got? 
Really good wee interview with um, Harry Cool. Just, it's good to get an insight from a different angle at Celtic. So it was Michael Bridges, they played together at, at Leeds. Um, and it was just the two of them kind of a bit of back and forth. He's a really interesting character. You know, he was obviously, you know, the talent, the, the goal scorer. There's a lot of kind of self-belief, I, I would say is the nicest way to put it with him. Um, and he comes across like a, a great addition to, to the coaching team. Um, he was actually going for a job as manager when he got the call from Ange. And he went, hmm, that's interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to take him up on that. What I found out, Matthew, I like this. Used to be, used to be a left back, didn't he? Yeah, he started as left back. So... Is it any coincidence what we're seeing in Greg Taylor since Keogh came in? I just think Greg Taylor's that good. <laughs> You'd have him anyway. Did we establish if he's still married to Cherie? From Apparently Cl- is from Emmerdale. Emmerdale. Apparently so. They better the majestic in Leeds. There you go. There we go. Well, that's the main thing. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I was going to ask you, what did you learn from this interview? But <laughs> he, he said one really interesting thing about, um, he, he's got a bit of, he's always had a bit of a, not conflict, but the, the sports science and the you know, medical team he wants players out, you know, practising like Beckham style, you know, constantly, constantly. And the medical team are saying, right, you can't be out there for any more than 20 minutes, half an hour, because they've got all the stats on that kind of thing. But he wants them out there practising. And he said, it's really interesting phrase. He said, practice doesn't make per- perfect, practice makes permanent, that it's second nature in your head. You know, I've been practising this all day, so when I find myself in that position on the field, I permanently know exactly what to do. So really interesting thinking from him there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say it sounds a, a really interesting watch so it's on Australian sports channel Optus Sport it's on YouTube it? yeah it's on YouTube so again we'll share the link and I mean I was going to ask it's a very interesting move for him to make that you know he obviously fancied himself as being his own man and being a, a head coach in his own right he juked about some of those lower league teams I don't know if, if you would, would maybe recall Walsall and stuff like that Barnett yeah. Barn? 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 those Barn? kind of clubs to no great success and it's interesting that he's now you know pressed pause on, on his own ambitions at the moment to go and learn. You know, he's taken, you might call it one step back to go a couple of steps forward, yeah. but he clearly knows that he'll learn and develop under Ange. Yeah, he's, he's ambitious and he'll, he'll definitely, you know, go back out on his own. But when he's in those, you know, management positions and low leagues and stuff, and he, you know, has, has been a very successful guy, but he didn't know what he didn't know. And then he comes in to Ange, you know, Ange's seven goes, oof, I've got so much to learn. He said something really interesting when he, when he signed and he knew he was going to be seeing Andrew, obviously, like, oh, I've got a chance to ask him why he didn't pick me for that World Cup. He said it took him two training sessions, never had to ask him. He went, oh, I get it now. The intensity, he said, I wasn't that kind of player at that stage of my career. He said, I wouldn't have stood a chance. I didn't realise that Ange hadn't picked him for a squad. And that's interesting that they can move on from that. Because, yeah. you know, that's some guys might yeah. hold a grudge. But I, think, but I think that's part of why Ange manages the way he manages. He's not trying to be everybody's mate. He kind of creates enough distance. Uh, between him and the players so that it's a professional relationship yeah. um, I, ju- I just find uh, you mentioned there about Kyo having his own ambitions taking management jobs and, and, and sometimes you know it's to be admired when, when guys do that and go into the lower leagues I always find that it doesn't work out more often than not because I think if you've spent most of your career at a certain level dropping down is a very difficult thing to do Um O'Neill did it I, I, no, I, I, It's not impossible it, but it's not it, common it, it, It's you know it, it's it, it, when you're used to a standard, it's hard then to accept standards that are below what you would set, even just for yourself. Yeah. That said, though, um, I think the lure of Ange is the big thing in that relationship. I think we, you know, we, we shouldn't underestimate for an Aussie just how much a, an honour it is to work with Ange is Australia's greatest, you know, footballing product. Really, he's 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 so 
lauded over there so much so they've created a tournament for him <laughs> during the World Cup. <laughs> so, you know, but, but again, you know, that, that's 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 the thing. Just because he's not came through the system here, I, I still think we are a tad blase just about how great a talent we have in our hands here. Yeah, yeah. We're still looking at the flying you out there, man, for the Sydney Cup. We need to. Uh, move a few London. things around well, if, but if you let the big man know of Mimicty's jumper maybe he'll find a, a space in that fight for me yeah um, but interesting you talk about players who have played at a serious level and then struggle to replicate it in management and I, th- I think a Roy Keane when I think of that and the standards I, I just think he had some instant success but then over the long term it wasn't quite the fit for him because he was in a dressing room where he couldn't understand why guys couldn't do what he'd done yeah I think he, he tends to get short term results because he goes in and gives like you. your point for Roy Keane brilliant and then over the longer term because he's so intense I think it just yeah, it just leads we, to friction we, we, Scott Brown is, he, is down doing his thing mm-hmm. Fleetwood seems to be doing reasonably well you know you wouldn't think Fleetwood would be, would be favourites to go up for, for League 1 you know what, what is a what is a measure of success for him is it to get out of League 1 into the Championship if they did get into the Championship you're competing against pseudo Premier League teams that have had parachute payments it's, very difficult thing for him, so it's quite a strange choice for a first job, I think. But he seems to be acquitting himself reasonably Aye. well. Um, the, the other side of the coins, a guy like, guy like Barton, who, who's went to the lower leagues, Bristol Rovers, you know, again has done reasonably well, albeit that there just seems to be a circus follows that guy about everywhere Aye. that he goes. So I, th- I think that's the level that he'll stay at, just because the higher the profile, the more trouble that he'd cause. I think. Yeah, and the, there's no doubt. Most Celtic fans have got a keen eye on Scott Brown and how he progresses here at Fleetwood and his ambitions will be ha- far higher than, than League One in England. But he's he's finding his feet. He's realising what it what it takes to be a number one. And it's a good it's a good grounding to you know for him to develop within because he could go and take the Hibs job or, or Aberdeen or all the spotlight that's here in Scotland, have very little backing, very little resources, inevitably fail. And all of a sudden you're yesterday's man. And I think he's taken a clever path. And at the moment, I think they're in the lower reaches of League One. But you put a run of fixtures together, such as the calendar down there, all of a sudden you're in the playoffs. So yeah, it goes without saying that we all wish Scott Brown all the best and hopefully he can kick on. To come back to Harry Kilmouth, I was just going to ask, what impression overall do you get? You know, he's only had a few of these interviews and you know, we've not had too much from him officially to, to see how it's all going. But what impression do you get of him and the job that he's doing at Celtic? Having a Champions League winner in there must be a good thing. Well, yes, I mean, I, I was a bit nonplussed, to be honest with you, when, when he was first appointed, just because I think Ange is the main man, you know, you can talk about backroom and things like that, I think he, he drives the culture, he drives the direction that the club's going in. James referenced there that Kuehl has always had a bit of ego about him, I don't think Harry Kuehl's got a bigger fan than Harry Kuehl, <laughs> but I think the fact that he has came in and been such a low-key figure says a lot about how he's approached the job. A lot about it. I don't think he's seen it necessarily as being about him. Yep. He's very much been there as, as as part of the team and part of the backroom, which I think probably tells you that you know he's maybe matured a bit as he's got older and he realises what a great opportunity this is to be part of. He speaks about he, he, to correct himself a couple of times when he said you know um, the players are my players, Angie's players. You know, mm. so he, he knows who the boss I, is. I, 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 I thought it was a nice kind of, not not deference for the sake of it, but just an understanding of where he was I, and how you know, he's got an important job to play, but. Gaffer's a gaffer. It sounds like he's come in and just shown a lot of humility, Aye. you know, and kind of found his place in there. And it sounds like an interesting watch, James. So we'll we, link to the interview. We in saw him. Anyone who's going to a game, go up early and watch the uh, the players warming up. Yeah. We saw Kyle a few weeks ago. 
stuff he can still do a ball yeah. outstanding man what a I, player I think he could do a turn if somebody gets injured <laughs> he really could but no it looks like a good watch James so as I say we'll link to that and it offers a good insight into Angie's backroom team as well um, as we start to draw things to a close for this week just a, I suppose a couple of bits of news a couple of updates I mentioned of course that Celtic were officially 135 years old yesterday that was Sunday 6th of November um, and it was 6th of November 1887 where Celtic were formed at St Mary's in the Calton so uh, James fond memories of that day <laughs> I remember it was yesterday, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so, as I say, happy birthday, Celtic. Tweet us back or something if you get this message. Uh, Miff oh, also... Needy. Needy. Celtic beat Barcelona 2-1 in the Champions League 10 years ago to this day, 7th November 2012. So, more realistically, good memories from that night. Uh, yes, it wasn't at the game. What? Um, yeah. Wee man was only months old. Uh, Scott Brown missed a tackle and I mimicked the kind of kicking the ball which at which my slipper flew off my foot, hit the wall, and landed right next to the wee man's crib. Mrs. Smith was not happy. <laughs> not happy. I think you'll need to check there. I don't think Scott Brown played in that famous game. I don't know. I think there was something about it. I was, Somebody like Mr. Tackle. If Ambrose played, I was, so it's probably him. I, I was bl- I was blaming Scott Brown, but I, I, I genuinely slipper came off my foot. Yeah. After the wall. So Lassad La played, didn't he? No, Miku. 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 Miku started up top. There's yeah. a, a trivia question. Name the 11 that Am- played against oh, Barca. Ambro- oh, it's I. Mulgrew, centre half. Ambrose, right back. Ambrose, Ma- Adam Matthews, right no, back. No, Adam Matthews, right back. Mulgrew, Ambrose. Ledley, Wanyama. Ledley, Wanyama. Miku. Samaras? I think Samaras, yeah. Then Tony Walk on. Tony yeah. Walk off the bench. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, we're going sidetracked. But yeah, 10 years ago today. That's, that's mad that that's 10 years ago already. So. Uh, huge result in Celtic's history James, seven points clear at the top of the table Just two league games now before the World Cup break How are you feeling about things? Feeling good, no time for complacency Is all I would say um, And I actually had one of the players talking about that in a, in a post-match um, So famously Alex Ferguson's biggest fear in football was complacency I don't think it exists in our squad um, Maybe Ranovich likes a wee day off After a title win and stuff like that But apart from that, um, they're all pretty focused on the, on the job at hand So you know, important three points to get on Wednesday and on Saturday and then we can you know, enjoy the break as such. I know I've already discussed it, but see, just you raising that again, Angie's face, when he asked for that, <laughs> he actually looks like he's got to murder him. Uh, I thought it was quite a reasonable request, personally. No, I, I, I know, but I just think, I just thought it was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, oh, just a, a separate retail on Angie that you might have seen from the AGM coverage was Paul Curry of the Celtic View was asking him about he must be the most selfie guy in Scotland, you know, kids and families everywhere, constant foes, but he says he never forgets how important that is to other people and how it make, might make their day and, you know, he's always happy to take part. But what he did say, which was really interesting and a real measure of the man is, he says they don't want a picture of Ange Postacoglu, they want a picture of the Celtic manager. And that's a very humble way to look at it, you know, because mm, you come and go. He, he's become an instant hero, but he always sees himself as the current incumbent, you know, the current Celtic manager. And we spoke about humility there from Harry Kiel. It comes to the top down yeah, and it starts with Ange and that leadership. Miff, Europe over for now for another season, but it does allow full focus on the domestic stuff. Do you think we're going to kick on from here? Yeah, I don't really think we can kick on anymore. I think it's just about maintaining the levels. I, you know, Saturday was a bit hair-raising in terms of the manner, the, the victory, albeit that what kind of get lost in all that was... We absolutely dominated the game and, and deserved to win. I thought the levels were poor Saturday. Uh, I, I, maybe uh, not. Maybe not. Again, post Champions League, I, I always take that into consideration. Mm. Uh, I don't think you can be overly critical of the, the team. The, the game should have been finished 
um, before United get their third buff at the bar, you know, fairly unluckily, um, I realised a couple of good chances I, I felt we should have done better with as well. So, listen, when you trace it back, we should have managed the game better. We are better than that, but we got the job done. But I think standards can go up with that as a case in point. Yeah, what I mean by that is just in terms of results. If we're, we're buying in goals, we're winning games. You know, if we keep if we keep that going, and, we'll be fine. And you only cares about performances. Ah, yeah. But it's not me, it's him. No, I, listen, <laughs> I, I still think but the performances are obviously good enough because we're still we're still winning the games. But good enough isn't good enough. I I, I just think. Can you see? Can you see us losing four games between now and the end of the season domestically? Absolutely not. No. I, I can't. Yeah, I'll let you guys uh, finish that wee debate off. Like. It out. So that wraps things up for another episode of the Celtic Exchange Weekly. We'd love to hear what you think of the new format, so please let us know on Twitter at Celtic Exchange, or you can email me directly at tino at theceltichange dot com with any thoughts or comments. If you're enjoying the show, be sure to leave us a five star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes a big difference to what we are doing. As always, we'll have our pre- and post-match content for subscribers on the Celtic Exchange Plus this week for the games against Motherwell and Ross County. So remember to visit theceltichange.supercast.com to get yourself signed up. But in the meantime, from myself, James and Muff, thanks for listening and we'll see you again very soon. It was a great dinner. So great. Wait, where'd you park the car? Oh, the one I just sold at Carvana. What? When did you do that? When you were still looking at the menu. I went on Carvana.com and all I had to do was enter the license plate or VIN, answer a few questions, and got a real offer in seconds. They picked up the car already? No, I parked around the corner. But they are picking it up tomorrow and paying me right on the spot. Oh, no wonder you picked up the check. Yeah, about that. Uh, thought we were going halvesies. Sell your car to Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get a real offer in seconds. Podcast Network.